Hi, I'm Melissa with Mix in Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Welcome! I'm so happy that you're here. I just got back from Disneyland last week. I was visiting with my best friend from high school, Rachel, who is a self-proclaimed Disneyland hater. And my goal was to change her attitude and mind a little bit about Disneyland. And we had a really good time. It was crowded. It was hot at times. But we used Genie Plus and we took it slow and we had lots of breaks where we got to try lots of different yummy Disneyland food and I think she had a really good time. Actually, I know she had a really good time and she even told me at the end that she really did enjoy the trip and that she liked Disneyland. Maybe it's not her exact favorite place in the world, but I did change her attitude a little bit or like a lot a bit and now she likes Disneyland. So she has agreed to come on and talk all about our trip, all about um, what makes her not like Disneyland and what has helped change her mind about Disneyland and she's hilarious. So if you followed along in my stories, you know that she's hilarious and we got up to lots of shenanigans on our trip, but um, she's going to come on in a couple weeks and we'll talk all about it. So that'll be fun. Stay tuned for that. Rachel will be coming on the podcast. So mark it on your calendars. I think it'll be two weeks from this episode. So keep an eye out for that. I wanted to hurry and read a quick review that I got on my podcast, which I appreciate so much. I know I say this all the time, but it really makes all the difference to me. It's how people find me, how I grow, and I appreciate it so much because I do put a lot of time and effort into these podcasts because I want to share information with people. I want them to have the best time possible on their Disney vacations. I don't want them stuck in long lines. I don't want them paying full price for Disney tickets. I don't want them wandering around unsure of what to do. I want them to understand how to use Genie Plus and Rider Switch and what they can bring into the parks and all the things that I talk about. And so when you leave me a review, it really helps people find me and I appreciate it so much. It always just makes my day. This review comes from Tia Fowles. And it says, a weekly dose of Disney fun. I look forward to this podcast every week. It gives me a dose of Disney fun that I have been craving. Melissa is genuine and has great tips. So thank you so much, Tia Fowles. I really, really appreciate it. So if you are so inclined and want me to love you even more than I already do, would love it if you would rate and review my podcast. And subscribe. If you're not subscribed, why not? You have to be subscribed so that you'll know every single time a new episode comes out, which is every week, Wednesday morning. So subscribe so you don't miss anything and rate and review my podcast. You're the best. 
Now, I know I talk all the time about Disneyland, my love for Disneyland, saving money at Disneyland, all kinds of those things, all kinds of those things. Does that make sense? All of those kinds of things. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I also love Disney World. And I didn't right at the beginning. The first time I went to Disney World, I felt very out of sorts. I didn't really know where anything was and things felt wrong to me because I had spent so much time at Disneyland. But the more I've been at Disney World, the more it's grown on me and the more I have come to love it. I don't like to compare Disneyland and Disney World because they are so very different. But if you've never been to Disney World, I think you need to put that on your radar. Put it on your Disney bucket list because it really is amazing. I'm actually heading to Disney World the end of April. I have booked a land and sea trip, which I am incredibly excited about. And what that means is I get to go to Disney World for a few days and then I'm hopping on a Disney cruise to the Bahamas for a couple of days. So I get to experience both things and I cannot wait. So I've been to Disney World lots of times, but I have never been on a Disney cruise. I've done lots of other cruise lines, but never Disney. And I am really looking forward to it. So Stay tuned for that, but if you are interested in Disneyland or Disney World or a Disney cruise, my friends at Getaway Today can help you. They are Disney planning experts and they have experts. When I say experts, I'm like not just saying that. They literally have Disney World and Disney cruise experts on their staff who help people step-by-step -step plan their trips. Disneyland planning is much more simple than planning a Disney World or a Disney cruise. There's not as much involved. It's easy for people to do it on their own. Disney World is different. And same with a Disney cruise. You really need somebody who knows what they're doing, who can help you through the process, and who can help make sure that you have your park reservations, make sure that you are getting, you know, you understand the Genie Plus system because it's different at Disney World. Make sure you know what you're supposed to have for your cruise embarkation because you need certain documents on and on. There's all these different things that are involved in cruises and Disney World and they can help you every single step of the way. They have a concierge service for Disney World and it's free. So you buy your tickets through them, book your hotel, and they take care of everything else for free. So you're going to want to check them out. They really are the best. They've been so patient with me as I'm getting things squared away for this Disney World, Disney Cruise vacation because I've had a lot of questions and they've answered them all and been so incredibly helpful. So you're going to want to check them out. Their tickets are always discounted off the gate prices. They have great deals on hotels. Customer service is amazing. You guys are going to love them. I'm going to put a link to them in the show notes. If you're interested in Disney World, you just fill out a little form and they contact you and give you prices. There is never any pressure. I know the first time I filled out the form for Disney World, I was like, oh no, are they going to try to like sell me on a higher hotel or is it going to be a high pressure to buy from them? And it's not like that at all. They just want you to have the information so that you can make the best decision possible. I'll put a link to them in the show notes, but check them out. You are going to love them. Today is a Once Upon a Time episode, which is one of my favorite episodes to record. Episodes? Episode types to record. I love Disneyland. I love Disney history. And so when I can combine the two, it makes me so happy. So today we are going to be talking about 
Matterhorn bobsleds. The Matterhorn bobsleds. And I'm really excited. I'm going to talk about the history and the storytelling aspects of the ride. Little things you can look for while you're on the ride. So many fun things. Don't miss it. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll jump right into Once Upon a Time Matterhorn bobsleds. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mix in Some Magic. Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh, That little sound clip is like etched into my memory from the time I was very little. I would play Disneyland with my sister and I remember we would say that to each other as we're like pretending to buckle each other into the ride and check our seatbelts. Um, they've changed it a little bit now. It says remain seated, please, with your seatbelts fastened. But, uh, I don't know. Does that stick out in anyone else's brain? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just weird. But that is one of my favorite things about the Matterhorn, (laughs) which sounds so silly. It's just a, a childhood memory thing. All right. The Matterhorn was the very first thrill ride in Disneyland, believe it or not. Um, It opened in June 14th, 1959, and it came about because Walt Disney Productions made a movie in Switzerland called Third Man on the Mountain about these climbers who were climbing up the Matterhorn, and they filmed it on the actual Matterhorn. Walt loved the movie. He fell in love with the Matterhorn while he was on location filming, and he thought that Disney needed a smaller version of it. So while he was in Switzerland, he bought a little postcard with the Matterhorn on the front, and he sent it to Imagineer Vic Green. And on the back, he just wrote, Vic, build this, Walt. So Vic gets this postcard of a Matterhorn from Walt that says, build this, and he knows that something big is about to happen. So pre-Matterhorn, there was actually just a small dirt hill where the Matterhorn now stands, and it was called Holiday Hill. Um, This hill came about because when they were creating Disneyland, they had big piles of dirt where they excavated like for Sleeping Beauty's Castle and for Jungle Cruise and they just kind of piled this dirt up all in one place and they decided it would be really expensive to haul away. So they just kind of like landscaped this hill a little bit, had some walking paths on it, and they tried to kind of make it... (laughs) A little attraction, I guess. They called it Holiday Hill, and it turns out people enjoyed Holiday Hill maybe a little too much because it became a popular makeout spot. And as you can imagine, Walt didn't like this. He didn't like people making out on Holiday Hill. And so they decided something had to be done. This wasn't working out anymore. So Walt suggested adding real snow to the hill and turning it into a sledding hill. But that idea never got off the ground because obviously real snow in California weather isn't really feasible. 
He also tossed around the idea of just having some bobsleds that go right down the hill, kind of like the Olympic bobsleds where you kind of sit in there and then gravity would just pull you down. Nobody was really jazzed about that idea. And then soon afterwards, the idea for the Matterhorn was born. And that's what ultimately ended up taking the place of Holiday Hill. The Disneyland Matterhorn is exactly one one hundredth of the size of the real Matterhorn in Switzerland, which is amazing. Like that's really attention to detail, right? So the real Matterhorn in Switzerland is 14,700 feet tall and the Matterhorn at Disneyland is 147 feet tall. Now, Imagineers use something that's called forced perspective to make the mountain look even taller than it actually is. And they use this with Sleeping Beauty's Castle and on Main Street as well. But they have trees and shrubs and things at the bottom of the mountain and they have them get smaller as they go up so that it looks like the mountain is taller than it actually is. They also are very attentive to detail. I mean, Disney Imagineers always are, but all of the plants that you find in the queue and around the Matterhorn are all native to Switzerland and are plants that you could actually find if you were visiting the real Matterhorn. They also made sure that all the rocks for the Matterhorn and in the queue and around it look like granite. They're not actual granite, they're cement, but they've made them to look like granite just like you would find in Switzerland. Incidentally, Disneyland in California is the only place you can ride on the Matterhorn bobsleds. All of the other Disney parks throughout the world do not have the Matterhorn. So if you want to ride the Matterhorn, you are going to have to head to Disneyland in California. Now, I came across a story that I absolutely loved that I had to tell you about Walt. So the story goes that in 1959, they were building this Matterhorn and everyone was so excited. Usually roller coasters at this time were made out of wood, but this was a metal tube track type attraction. So that was fairly new. And it was the first really adventure type, maybe not adventure, but thrill type attraction at Disneyland. So everyone was really invested in this. They wanted to make sure that it went well. And Walt himself was very excited. So the track was built, but the brakes weren't installed yet. But Walt could not wait to test it out. He was so excited. He decided he didn't care that there were no brakes. And so he piled a bunch of bales of straw at the end of the ride and he got on it and tested it out himself and used the bales of straw to stop himself at the end. <laughs> Which sounds crazy to me because if you've ever been on the Matterhorn, holy cow, it is fast and wild. And there are times where you are sure you're completely out of control careening to your death. And so the fact that he only had some bales of hay at the bottom to stop him is absolutely crazy to me. But... I love the story and I would have loved to see it in person. I don't think I could have been one to test it out, but he just went for it and I love that about him. Now, some of you might remember the old Skyway ride that went through the Matterhorn once upon a time. Um, this Skyway attraction was actually there before the Matterhorn even existed. So the Skyway was kind of a gondola type 
attraction that was built in 1956 and it took you from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland and when they decided to build the Matterhorn the Skyway was in the way so they ripped it down completely and it reopened with the Matterhorn and went through the Matterhorn back in 1959. Now, it was only open until 1994. That's when it closed down for good. They closed it because there were stress cracks um, along the support system, like the beams that supported it were getting stressed and fractured. It just wasn't safe anymore. But the only way to do maintenance was to open up the Matterhorn to work on it. And that just wasn't really going to work anymore. So they decided that they would rather build Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye instead of fix the Skyway. And so they closed it down. They filled in the holes. And that was that. No more Skyway. I remember vividly riding on the Skyway when I was a little girl. I actually have a picture of it. I remember going through the Matterhorn and you could hear the wind blowing and you could hear the abominable snowman roaring. And at this point, I was too small to ride on the Matterhorn, but I remember thinking that must be the scariest ride because there's this terrifying monster who lives in the Matterhorn and I can hear him as we go through the Matterhorn on this skyway. And I was always nervous when we got to the part where we were going through the Matterhorn because you could hear him and I never knew. He might just pop up at any second and snatch me out of the skyway. But I remember so well that ride and it's kind of sad that it's gone now because it was really cool. But I understand why it is. But it's fun to see pictures. Maybe I'll put one on my um, Instagram so you can check it out. You also might remember seeing mountain climbers on the Matterhorn Mountain from time to time. I remember seeing them here and there. I can't really remember exactly when, but as a kid and even in my adult years, I remember seeing climbers on the Matterhorn. They don't do that anymore, but it was pretty cool to see. I guess they also have had Mickey Mouse climb on the Matterhorn at one point. So I never saw that personally, but I would have loved to. That would be cool. Maybe they'll bring that back someday. Who knows? We just never know. You also might have heard the rumor that there is a basketball court at the top of the Matterhorn. And this is true and false. So when they built the Matterhorn, they didn't design it to have a basketball court inside of it. But up in the higher parts of the Matterhorn, there's some empty space that they use for a break room for like some of the mountain climbers that are up there or some of the, the cast members will use it as a little break area. And someone at some point put up a little basketball hoop. It's a small open space. They put up a basketball hoop and used it to play basketball when they were on the break to pass the time. And so somehow that got translated into people saying that there was a basketball court at the top of the Matterhorn. So there is, but there isn't. It's not an actual basketball court. I've heard that it's not even big enough to be considered a half court. It's very small. It's just a hoop that someone put up, but it is a pretty cool story. And there are a few pictures of it. If you care to look, just search for basketball court inside the Matterhorn and they'll pop right up. It's kind of hard for me to imagine the Matterhorn without the Abominable Snowman, but it actually was not part of the original attraction. The Abominable Snowman was not added to 
the Matterhorn until 1978. And lots of people say that it's a Yeti. Some people say it's an abominable snowman. Um, it's a little confusing. What is the difference between the two? So, of course, I did a little deep dive. I did some Googling. Um, I'm not sure that I came up with a clear answer, but I came up with a sort of clear answer. So, <laughs> let me tell you what I found out. Okay, so there are legends, folk tales, uh, myths, I guess, about the Yeti, about Sasquatch, about Bigfoot, about the Abominable Snowman, all throughout the world, all throughout history. But the Yeti is the very oldest of all of them. So lore of the man-like beast in the Himalayas has its roots in pre-Buddhist religion. So the Yeti has been around for a really long time. Um, the Yeti is the antagonist of many cautionary folk tales shared by the Sherpa people of the Himalayas. And in their legends, then he's this huge creature, ape-like man who leaves large tracks in the snow. Now, the phrase abominable snowman is way more recent and was apparently born out of a mistranslation. So, in 1921, a contributor, a contributor to an Indian English language newspaper interviewed explorers returning from the British Mount Everest reconnaissance expedition. They spoke of seeing large footprints on the mountain that their guides attributed to Metoa Kanjimi Kanjimi. I said that wrong, of course, but Kanjimi translate to snowman and Matoa to man bear. So the writer of this article got the last half of the equation right with man bear, but he misinterpreted Matoa as filthy, which is not what it means. And he didn't like um, the idea of writing filthy in his newspaper article. So he turned it around and changed it to abominable. So when he mistranslated the word instead of snowman man bear, which is what it was supposed to be, he changed it to abominable snowman. And that's how the word came to be. So essentially the Yeti and the abominable snowman are different names for the same thing. Bigfoot is a totally different thing altogether. The Yeti um, is in Asia. Yep. The Yeti belongs to Asia. That's where you can mostly find him while Bigfoot is more of a North American type situation as far as I can tell. So there you have it. They're basically the same thing. Although on Disneyland's website, they do call the creature that lives in the Matterhorn, an abominable snowman. So that's what I'm going with. Whereas their ride Expedition Everest at Disney World, they have a monster living there too, and they call him a Yeti. So I don't know. I'm going to go with Disneyland on this and say that it's an abominable snowman that lives on the Matterhorn. So like I said before, the Yeti, the Yeti, oh my gosh, I just promised I wasn't going to call it a Yeti. The abominable snowman <laughs> came to the Matterhorn in 1978 and his name is Harold. He officially has a name. If you walk around the queue, you'll find a little plaque that talks about Harold. So his name is Harold and he arrived in 1978. Now the first version of Harold didn't move at all, but they, sh they were shining a strobe light on him, which as you're whizzing by and the strobe light's going, it almost looks as if he was moving. It was this very strange effect that I remember 
um, from when I was little and when I was older. Let's be honest. 2015 was the last time that the stationary Yeti was there, and I was definitely an adult and older in 2015. So he was stationary until 2015 when they did a whole refurb of the ride, and they came came up with a new yeti yeti oh my gosh i did it again abominable snowman you guys what's wrong with me it's an abominable snowman but if you are interested in seeing the old herald you can find him in the queue for guardians of the galaxy so as you're walking through um the collector's warehouse he is there so keep your eyes peeled he's ginormous it's hard to miss him but it's right before you get to the elevators that you will see him so keep an eye out for the original herald back from 1978. Now I did find something that I thought was absolutely amazing. So Harold was created in 1978, like I mentioned, but he was created using um, gorillas from the Jungle Cruise. So they took some gorillas, repurposed them into the Abominable Snowman and put him on the right. So there's three different Abominable Snowmans on the attraction. Um, one can be seen on each side because there's two tracks and then there's one in the middle that can be seen from both sides. So they took three gorillas and repurposed them into abominable snowmans for the ride, which I think is absolutely amazing. I love it when they repurpose stuff. So in 2016, like I said, there was a big refurbishment. They changed the Yeti and now he moves and he growls and he's got these red eyes that light up and he's really quite terrifying. It's kind of amazing actually and exciting. So he's even more scary than he was before and you can see him twice technically three times now so you see him behind some ice at first it's like a shadow so that's a new as of 2016 you see his shadow walking you can hear him roaring and then you see him two times as you are riding the attraction and he moves and he kind of lunges you think he might grab you it's really amazing so Harold 2.0 is probably better but Harold the original is still pretty amazing too so make sure you look for him at the Guardians of the Galaxy queue. Now it used to be that Tinkerbell would fly from the Matterhorn during fireworks or as part of the fireworks show and it was an actual person that they hooked up to this rig just like Tinkerbell and it was amazing and I remember seeing it when I was little and maybe that's the reason that I'm so in love with Tinkerbell right now. I do not know that just occurred to me I'm gonna have to do some thinking but that might be where I became obsessed with Tinkerbell. Um, now I'm going off on a tangent, but I always loved Peter Pan. I was never like super into the princesses, but Tinkerbell has always been my favorite. Maybe it has something to do with this. I think it might. Anyway, if you have extra time and you're interested in the history behind Tinkerbell and the Matterhorn, it's really quite amazing. The original person who was Tinkerbell was this acrobat, a circus performer, and she started doing the flying for Tinkerbell. And I think she did it up until she was like 70 years old. I'll have to go back and research that a little bit, but really amazing stuff. So if you're interested, do some Googling. Let me know what you find out. But anyway, back to the Matterhorn. Oh, oh, one more thing I was hoping I was going to tell you. Um, so they're bringing back the Disneyland Forever Fireworks Show in April, April 22nd. And I'm hoping Tinkerbell might fly again. 
Do you think that's too much to ask? <gasps> that would make me so happy. We'll see. I'll be there April 22nd. Oh my gosh, I would lose my mind if Tinkerbell flew. We'll see. Okay, I'm just going to calm down. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. We'll see. Okay, back to Matterhorn. So there are two tracks, two different sides that you can ride on. One side is by Tomorrowland and the other side is uh, towards Fantasyland. One track is actually faster. You may have heard people talk about it. Um, many people think it's the Tomorrowland side that's faster, but it's actually the Fantasyland side. And it's faster by 1.1 feet per second. I don't know how they determine that math, probably, but... Whoever figured that out is smarter than me. But the Fantasyland second, the Fantasyland ride, excuse me, lasts 2 minutes and 50 seconds, while the Tomorrowland side lasts 2 minutes and 40 seconds. So it's it's faster by 10 seconds, but the Tomorrowland side is much rougher in my opinion. So if you are interested in a smoother ride, and I say smoother loosely, go with the Fantasyland side. If you want a little more adventure and wildness and possibly a back adjustment, then go with the Tomorrowland side. There's three ways to ride this attraction. There's the single rider line, standby line, or you can ride it using Genie Plus. You need to be 42 inches to ride it. And I kind of like it better at night. I don't know. I feel like it's a whole different ride at night and it's kind of fun as you're whizzing down the Matterhorn and you can see all the lights out in Fantasyland and all of that. So if you have a chance, do it in the day and then do it again at night. If you're using Genie Plus, maybe you rope drop it in the morning, do Matterhorn, then use Genie Plus to ride it again at night. That could be something something to think about. If you don't know what Genie Plus is or Rope Drop and need more help with that, I'll put a link in the show notes or you can go back a couple podcasts. I have one about Genie Plus. I have one about Rope Dropping. All good information that you probably really do need to know about if you're going to Disneyland. the music from the queue. I've been trying to figure out how I can work it into the podcast because it's so fun and peppy and that's what I came up with. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed. Oh, I'm so good at this. Anyway, let's talk about the storytelling aspect of the ride. It's really a very simple story unlike some of the others like Pirates of the Caribbean, um, but this one is very simple. So the idea is at least in my mind, like nothing is written out that says this, but this is, this is the gist that I get when I go on the ride. So you're in the Swiss Alps and you are going to climb Matterhorn Mountain. You're going to go on a little adventure um, and things go crazy. Things get wild and don't go quite as planned because of the abominable snowman. He ruins everything. 
or maybe he just makes it more exciting depending on your perspective. So you start the ride in a sled, a bobsled. It has six seats. Everybody gets their own seat. There's no lap riders. You're not sitting next to somebody. So if you have a small child that is nervous about that, this may not be the right time for them to ride. They have to sit in their very own seat all alone. And they check your seat belts and the beginning of the ride, I guess it's not even the beginning of the ride. It's as you are getting in the ride, it moves forward a little bit on both sides and then it jerks to a stop. And this is before they check your seatbelt. And so at some point you're going to be like, oh shoot, we're going, I'm not ready. And then it jerks to a stop. And if you're really not prepared, you're going to hit your head on the little head brace that's in front of you. It's the headrest for the person behind you. I guess it's a head stopper for you. And I've seen people leaning forward doing something with their bag or their shoe actually hit their head when they jerk to a stop. So be mindful of this. It's going to stop short and it's going to jerk you around a little bit. It's the first of many jerks on this ride and it's just the beginning. So if you're not prepared, you might hit your head. So really pay attention. Every time I'm in line, I get nervous as I'm watching people because I'm like, somebody's going to get a bloody nose. Like you really could break your nose if you smashed your face right into that. I'm sure it's happened before. I don't know that. Well, I don't know that for sure, but I'm fairly certain. So be aware. Just be aware. That's all I'm saying. You're in the ride, you head in to the Matterhorn, you start climbing up the first climb and right away you will hear the abominable snowman and you're thinking maybe this wasn't a good idea, maybe we shouldn't have come into Matterhorn Mountain and you'll see his shadow through the ice. So be watching, sometimes people miss this part. You'll see his shadow, you'll hear him and you'll know that he's aware that you're there and he is not happy about it. Harold doesn't like that you have invaded his personal space. So then you'll come around a corner and you're kind of in a snowy cave and you'll notice broken bobsleds and pieces of the old Skyway cars, which is absolutely amazing that they included this in the attraction. So obviously Harold has gotten a hold of some bobsleds. He's, I mean, in my mind, he's eaten the people inside them. He's ripped down Skyway cars. This is kind of his little collection. And he's piled it all up here. And if we don't get out of here fast, we are going to be one of his next victims. Now, in this little scene, if you look closely, which is hard to do because you are zipping by, you will see a box of equipment. And on the box, it says Wells Expedition. And this is actually a tribute to Frank Wells, who was the president and chief operating officer for some time. And he loved the outdoors and exploring and he was an experienced mountain climber and skier. So this is kind of just a little nod to him and his contributions to Disneyland, which is kind of fun. I love it when they do stuff like that. Next, you'll do a couple more turns and then you'll zoom past the Yeti who is really pissed that you're there. He's very angry, roaring at you. And good thing you're going so fast because you barely escape him, but he wants you off of his mountain. So after that, you careen down the mountain. And I don't say that lightly, like literally you careen down the mountain. And there's one more spot where you see the abominable snow monster again. He luckily doesn't catch you because you're so fast and then you're home free, but you're still careening down the mountain. <laughs> But at least the abominable snowman, you've left him far behind in the upper parts of the mountain and now 
you're almost done with the ride. So towards the end, you plunge into some water. Don't worry, you don't get wet. Every time I hit this spot, I always think, oh, heaven help me, I'm going to get soaked. It's never happened yet. So I've never gotten wet, maybe like the tiniest little drops. But this stop is used to slow you down. The water helps slow you down because they don't have hay bales anymore. (laughs) And it's also used to cool the brake pads. They do have like air brakes too. Don't worry. It's not just the water slowing you down. So that's the end of the attraction. It's fairly short, but very exciting. And I would say that it is probably the wildest ride at Disneyland. I think I can confidently say that. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is pretty wild too. But this one is kind of, I don't know, it's different. It's just a different ride. But it's very wild. I remember being very concerned taking my children on it, even when they were 42 inches, because it just whips you around so much. So lots of people don't like this ride because it is so wild. Um, But I do love it. I think it's fun. And... I think you should give it a try. Although be aware, it may be scary for some kids. I mean, the snow monster, snow monster, I can say that. The abominable snowman is very realistic looking. He's very angry that you're there. And there are dark parts um, where it's completely dark. And then there's this wild roller coaster that you're on that's really quite fast. So be aware of that. Small children or bigger children or adults may not enjoy this ride. So keep that in mind when you're deciding whether or not you're riding this attraction. There are a couple of hidden Mickeys on this ride. I read that there's a rope near the Wells box that we talked about that is in the shape of a Mickey sometimes. Now, I haven't seen this myself. I've tried to spot it, but man, you are going fast. So I don't know if that one's still accurate, but you could look for that. There is also a small hidden Mickey on the red and white coat of arms in the queue. It's hanging on a post and it's on the Fantasyland side. There's a little black hidden Mickey that I have seen, so you can keep your eye out for that one if you're interested in hidden Mickeys. Now, this attraction is so famous, so popular, that they actually created a dessert that is inspired by the Matterhorn. So, at the Jolly Holiday Bakery, you can buy a Matterhorn macaroon, and it's absolutely delicious. Uh, Can you think of any other ride that has a whole treat based on it? I don't think so. Matterhorn is very special in that regard. Now, there's a little bit of confusion between a macaron and a macaroon. I'm going to tell you the difference. Besides the spelling, lucky, lucky you, you're going to know by the end of this episode. Disneyland has both for sale in their park, but macaroons are a dense cookie made with either coconut or coarse almond paste. That's what the Matterhorn macaroon is. Uh, It has coconut in it and you can taste the coconut. So if you are not a fan of coconut, you're going to want to skip it, which makes me sad for you because it is very good. Macaroons are a sandwich-like biscuits with crisp crusts and a soft filling in between. Um, they're very chewy, very delicious. It's a French cookie and right now they have a raspberry rose macaron that has fresh raspberries and a little raspberry filling. Very, very good. Both are delicious. I love them both. Uh, you can find both of them at the same place at the Jolly Holiday Bakery on Main Street and you can mobile order them. So 
something to check out if you're looking for a treat. The Matterhorn Macaron. Macaron. I just said it wrong after I told you all about it. See, it's very easy to do. The Matterhorn Macaroon travels really well. So that's a cookie that I like to bring home to my kids if I'm visiting without them. The Macarons, not as well. I've brought home some really smushed up macarons before. Still good though. Either way, they're still delicious. So if you haven't had one of those cookies, you're going to want to check it out. And I love that they created a special dessert just for the Matterhorn. It's amazing. Love it. Wonderful. So great. Um, also, I have a copycat recipe for Matterhorn macaroons if you're interested in creating them at home. They're very simple, very delicious. I will put a link to those in the show notes as well. It's one of my most popular recipes on my website, so you can check that out. And they're easy. They're not hard. There's some cookies that are like, you know, have a million steps. This one's not hard. I just make mine little because we don't need giant cookies at my house. We like to keep them small. So I make little mini Matterhorn macarons, runes. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I've been messing up macaroons, macarons, Yeti, Abominable Snowman. Oh, please forgive me. I think it's time to end. I think it's over. That's all I've got. I've messed up enough times. I think I just have to call it quits. I need to diet Dr. Pepper and a nap, probably. <laughs> Oh, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it so much. You guys are the best. I will be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.